Hi, I'm Dee Hicks, and welcome to the School of Leadership, leveraged lessons from high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. You recognize that sound by now. I am lighting a wonderful cigar. You know, I listened to a couple of these podcasts recently and realized that I say wonderful cigar (laughs) a lot. I need another word to describe this cigar. Big, how about that? This is a great big handmade Nicaraguan cigar called a quorum. And uh, wow, it it is a quorum, that's for sure. It feels like it feels like a very important cigar. I've had a few of these. Enjoyed them very much. They're uh, spicy to begin with and mellow as they go all the way through. It's about a 60 ring gauge. If you know much about cigars, that's a big cigar. And it is about six and a half inches. Yeah, about six and a half inches. They call it six inches, but it's not. It's bigger than that. Part of the fun of the cigar for me is to is to make sure that it gets lit just right. Because you can light it just right, it'll stay, it'll burn evenly, and uh, it looks like this one got started perfectly. And with it in today's conversation with you, by the way, the conversation we're going to have today is going to be about the gap that you and I live in between what we imagine, between our dreams, or between our vision, because you're likely a leader, you're likely, maybe you're a manager, a supervisor, you're a leader, but certainly you're an influencer of people trying to get people to do great things together that can't be done alone. You probably have great dreams. You have you have a vision, you have an idea, you have a project, you've got a plan. You want, you want something to happen that will not happen on its own without a lot of work. And so you... You set out on that uh, on that journey to get that to happen. And then it's possible that pretty quickly you discover that the gap between reality and the accomplishment of your vision is bigger than you thought and fraught with more perils than you imagined. So let's have a let's have a glass of scotch together and let's enjoy a cigar together while I share with you a few observations and a few things that I've learned from folks who have lived in the gap and have thrived in the gap between vision and achieving that vision and the reality of where we are today. The bigger the vision, the bigger the gap. (laughs) What are some things we've learned together about how to live in the gap and how to thrive in the gap? The uh, scotch that I'm drinking today, you can hear it with one uh, ice cube in it, is the Grange Stone, aged 12 years. It's a Highland single malt scotch whiskey. Of course, it says it's aged to perfection. You know, and I dare say it, it probably is. It's, it's quite good. It's actually, uh, um, it says on the label that it's delicate on the palate with a subtle spice and oak note and a mellow vanilla sweetness. If you've not had scotch before, maybe you've had bourbon or some other form of whiskey with an E-Y or just a Y, (laughs) you'll know what I mean, and you've not had scotch before, this is a great entry-level scotch. Some scotches uh, that we we enjoy... um, have a personality all of their own and when you smell them and sip them they it's like they they uh, I don't know it's like they're actual scots that come out and punch you in the throat <laughs> and they're good they're good but they're definitely an adventure but i would like to say that this grange stone 12 year is not an adventure it's just good 
had a really good day today. Started off with some cross-the-country Zoom calls with dear friends who are in the middle of some significant challenges. I moved on to uh, dealing with a bunch of critical tasks on my critical task list. I think there were five of them today. Accomplished every one of them and moved into a great conversation with a friend who's visiting from out of state. It was just a delightful day. So I'm recording this, actually, on a Thursday night. Probably, what does it look like? Well, it's a little after 7 o'clock at night. So I thought this would be a great way to end uh, a Thursday, to share this Grange Stone 12 and this Quorum Cigar Nicaraguan Handmade with you, and to talk about a few things I've learned about living in the gap. So you got big ideas, you got big dreams, you got big plans, good for you, keep them coming. And you set out on those plans, you set out to accomplish this mission, this dream, this plan. You're building a company, or you're building a, a project, or you're building some really strong relationships, or you're trying to pivot some of the rules by which society has, has drifted into that it's playing by, or you're trying to build something that is significant and profound to you for sure, large or small. You get excited about it, you make your plan, and you set out and you step out into the world to make this happen, and it doesn't take long to get slapped hard in the face with what Stephen Pressfield calls resistance, what we also call reality, and the gap between what you imagine to be possible and what you want and what is existing today can sometimes be utterly daunting. It can be really discouraging, especially when you notice the gap and apply all of your skills to try to move reality closer to the vision and you find reality in some cases just doesn't budge. What do you do? What do we do with that? Let me share a few things with you that we've gathered over the years. I've learned from very smart people. And uh, as always, how about listening along with me and thinking along with me and asking yourself, do I do that? Am I in the middle of a gap somewhere? Maybe you can ask yourself even a harder question. Have I given up on some of my vision or dreams because the gap was more like a chasm? It was way, way too big, much bigger than I thought. I thought we could just jump over this little creek and get to the other side. But as I began to get airborne, I realized it was the Grand Canyon. <laughs> it, was a, it was a chasm. Ah, Maybe you've given up. Maybe you have just decided it's not possible and uh, in a way thrown up your hands and yet you're now still living with a dream or a vision that is still real to you, but it's dead. And a part of your heart and soul maybe died with it, or at least that's what it feels like. Maybe you're there, or maybe you're just like the person that I described moments ago. And by the way, I've been in both these places that it, that has the dream, has the vision, has the idea, and you're you're making headway, and then the headway stops, and then you feel like you're going backwards, and reality is like a tractor beam of despair. Maybe that's you. Stick with me here. Here's a few things we've learned. First of all, when I talk about a vision. Um, a vision for something, and you might use the word dream or plan or hope or aspiration or something like that, but let's use the precise word. You've got a clear, compelling vision about what could be. Maybe you can scope and scale this. Maybe it's large enough that it'll affect large swaths of society, or maybe it's, it's smaller and it'll affect just your family or something in between. Either way, you have a clear, compelling vision about what 
could be. We found out over the years that the most effective and resilient leaders, also with their clear and compelling visions, are ruthlessly curious. They're curious about what could be, for sure, but they're also very curious about how things really are. Because, you know, it's a bit tempting to just live in a vision long enough and not compare it to reality so that you don't see the gap between here and there and can't make a plan. It's very tempting to live just in the world of imagination with the vision and what could possibly be and live in it long enough that it almost takes on the feel of fantasy. And then and then living in it and thinking about it becomes almost a I don't know, perhaps a way of escaping the reality of today. Well, that's not healthy for you and I, and that's certainly not how vision is accomplished. That's not how great things are accomplished. Great things are accomplished when we have wonderful imagination. The fuel of all healthy, vital societies is imagination. And then we turn, turn behind us or look down at our feet and we check carefully into reality. That reality, we have to be exceptionally curious about. We want to know how things really are. How far away from that vision are we really? And then compare those two. And the comparison at first can be, if you've not done this before, quite discouraging. The vision in and of itself is so compelling, and you may have even shared it with a person or two or 20, and they say, that would be wonderful. And maybe one of them is such an Eeyore that they say, oh, it'll never happen. We're all gonna die. And they are so stuck in reality that they think it has in and of itself an in, a sense of intractability. They just sit right there in the depths of reality, and they realize or they believe that they cannot move ahead. And yet, as a really effective leader, you and I can't afford to be that way. We have to be people who have clear and effective vision, compelling to us in great detail. And we also have to see reality in great detail. And then the trick is to not let the gap between the two become exceptionally discouraging to us. We need to have a crystal clear vision of both what could be and of what is. And I've also noticed and experienced it myself and been around folks who are wildly effective and that I aspire to be like, perhaps you're one of them, that the bigger the vision, the more compelling the vision, the bigger the gap between reality, where we are today, and the vision. So living in this gap can be an unpleasant experience for us. It doesn't have to be. That's the purpose of our conversation today. But it often is an unpleasant experience. And in the middle of that, our emotions can run wild sometimes. We can become angry. We can rail at reality and shake our fists at things that don't move. We could become discouraged. We could even get depressed. And we could be tempted to ignore reality and just keep moving on without paying any attention to reality. We can become demanding of other people. We can drive them. We can ignore the facts. We can ignore how much something costs or how long it will take or how many people are dead set against it and ignore their rationale behind why they are dead set against us, against the vision and plug our ears to their view. We can do all of those things. And it can be unpleasant to live in that place. And I know many 
leaders living in that place with crystal clear, compelling, and beautiful, wonderful vision that is so far from reality, and it becomes so unpleasant for them for such a long period of time that they begin to try to cope with the feelings of the unpleasantness. And uh, many ways of coping with those feelings of unpleasantness, like I said, being demanding or getting angry or, or ignoring reality, all of those ways, those are what we call maladaptive coping mechanisms. An adaptive coping mechanism is something that I do, a habit, a discipline that I have that helps me adapt to something in a healthy and positive way. That's an adaptive coping mechanism. A maladaptive coping mechanism is one that I, that I use to get rid of the feelings, to not, not to cope with reality. And I think maybe it's funny to you, and certainly is to me, that I'm as I'm talking with you, I'm holding this wonderful glass <laughs> of Grangestone. Now, I'm not going to pound four shots of this for sure. Uh, I'm not going to behave like the Highlanders of old and actually drink it all. I'm just going to have one shot. This is not, for me, a maladaptive coping mechanism. I'm not drinking in order to get rid of feelings at all. Let's drink till we don't feel feelings anymore, someone said. No, that's not at all. But this held right here in my hand is something that people can use to cope with the feelings of living in the gap. Living in the gap of a relationship that isn't exactly what we had hoped or of a board member who isn't performing the way they're supposed to or of revenue that isn't where it's supposed to be or of team members who were with us and have now popped into neutral, or worse, are against us. Or of rules of the road that used to help us and now they seem to be set against us. I could go on and on and on. Living in that gap can be quite unpleasant and we can be easily, understandably, I get it, I get it, I've been there, tempted to adopt these maladaptive coping mechanisms of the unpleasantness of living in the gap simply so that the feelings of living in the gap go away. One of the most interesting things to me is that flows from an assumption or a mental model that we often as leaders have. And that is that if I can come up with a clear enough, compelling enough, detailed enough vision, everyone around me will bend to that vision and willingly jump on board and fight to get there with me. That maybe that vision crafted well enough will bend reality even. And so we will be drawn into that vision. Why not? It's a wonderful plan. That then goes with the other mental model that says, if I experience resistance or unpleasantness or difficulty from what we'll call reality on my way to achieving that vision, that something must be wrong. If it's difficult, if living in the gap is unpleasant, it must mean something is wrong. That's If something is hard, it must be bad. So we're tempted to come up with all kinds of maladaptive coping mechanisms. One of them is to ignore reality, of course. Just ignore it. Just ignore it. Just look away. Nothing to see here. <laughs> like that. Somebody brings you a spreadsheet and you go, ah, I, I, I don't want to look at that today. Somebody shows you trends and tracks trends and shows you the trends are heading in the wrong direction from what you want them to go. And you just ignore them and say, we'll overcome them by ignoring them. Ignore reality. But probably one of the most common reactions that we have to living in the gap and the unpleasantness of living in the gap is that we shrink our vision. This to me is the most tragic of all because we are willing to settle for a very, very small and pale version of the vision. We make a little plan and it's accomplished. We have a little vision when we think, ah, that's okay, that's good enough. When in fact we know deep down in our soul that it is not. 
So the gap is going to be there. If you are just now setting out on creating a clear and compelling vision, and you've not grappled yet with the fact that there will be a bigger gap between reality and the vision you want to accomplish than you can now anticipate, now's the time to do that. It is not in and of itself a reason to not try to accomplish that vision. It's just part of accomplishing the vision. If there wasn't a gap, the vision would already be accomplished. Somebody would have tripped and fallen down and fallen face first into success, and the vision would have been theirs already if that was the case. That's not the case, though. The gap, then, is an unpleasant experience. If you expect it to be pleasant, and therefore when it becomes unpleasant, to think that that means that the vision is wrong, I should shrink it, or I should avoid those unpleasant feelings because it means I'm wrong, or again, the vision is wrong, you may be missing out on the power that is involved in leaning into that gap and doing something with it. So what do we do? All right, you're with me. You know, I don't want to live in that gap. I don't want to stay there forever. And I don't want to give up in the gap. I don't want the gap between reality and my vision to be the reason I give up on the vision. What do we do? What have we learned? Well, we learned a few things. Here's the first thing. When I notice that the gap is beginning to drag me down, and I notice because I look at reality and in a very objective way, reality says, no, that's not going to happen as soon, as fast, as easily as you thought it was going to happen. Maybe, maybe reality will even editorialize to me and say it's not going to happen at all. I need to get really clear again about that vision. I need to involve all of my senses in that vision. If there is anything anywhere that resembles the vision, go to it. Stand in it. Listen to it. Watch it, feel it, smell it. If you can smell it, if it has a smell, go where you can smell it. If it has a weather system, find a place that has a weather system like that and go visit it. Do you get my idea? The first thing we need to do when we realize the gap between cold, harsh reality and our compelling and awesome vision is difficult to bear is to involve all our senses in revisiting that vision. Get really clear about that vision. Again, you were clear when you started. Get clear about it again. Get as close to it physically as you can or something that represents it or something that represents part of it. And I found that when that gap begins to grind me to powder a little bit, I need to do this every day in some small way. I need to revisit that vision. Most of these plans or visions or dreams that I have got over the years have been written down. So I need to reread those every day, usually at the beginning of the day, sometimes at the end of the day if it's been a discouraging day. Look at it again. Look at it every day. And then make it as real as I possibly can by getting up close and personal with elements of that vision. Let your imagination run wild here. I don't need to illustrate that a lot. You get the idea. As we do this and as we think again about our vision and get clear about it again, we find that this discipline of creating clarity for us begins to be a little bit, I don't know, like a snowball of vision. It helps us to do the second thing, which is to add to our vision. We started back in the day, it was a Tuesday, <laughs> or it was last year, or it was five years ago, or in my case, for a couple of the things that I've been dreaming of, it was 25 years ago. And we started back, and now reality has gotten in the way. And now we get clear today again about our vision. We'll try to get as real and clear as we possibly can. And as we do that, 
we add to our vision. This is what I've done. I've added some more detail that was not available to me. I couldn't imagine it. I didn't know it. I hadn't been around parts of the vision before. I'll add detail to my vision. Write it down. Add some more detail to it. And then I add other people to my vision. When the gap becomes too discouraging, I reach out and bring somebody else into the gap with me. Here's the vision. Here's where we are. Here's where reality is. Come with me. Having another person alongside is incredibly empowering. And then I want to add experiences. Follow me on this idea. I want to add experiences that highlight the need for the vision to be accomplished. If this dream or vision is something that sets people free in some way, go around people who need to be set free. Hang out with somebody who would benefit from the vision. You don't need to tell them the vision, perhaps, but you need to be around them to realize what need are you meeting. Highlight the need that prompted me to create this vision in the first place. Have experiences that highlight that need. If you have a vision about how to deal with uh, joblessness for folks who are just coming out of incarceration and you feel like it's too far away and you can't quite cobble it together and reality has drug you back into despair, then go spend a little bit of time around a couple of people who are searching for a job and can't find one because they have a criminal record. And they would be wonderful people to work with if they could just overcome that huge hurdle that's been put in their way, partly by their own choice, but partly by how we structured society today. That's an example. And then have experiences, add experiences that highlight what's possible. If you're, if you're discouraged by reality, go be around places where there are creative people who are doing wonderful things that they may not even relate directly to your vision. But they were people who confronted reality and turned something around. It may not have anything to do with your career or your profession or your calling or any of that. It may, it may only have to do with their own life, but you can see that they confronted reality and lived in the gap and moved, they dared to move reality closer to their vision. Just be around them. Read about them if that's all you can do. But if you can be around them in person, that's even better. So that first idea, get really clear again about that vision. Do it daily. If the gap is grinding you down, get clear about that vision. Involve all your senses. Get as close to it as you can. The second idea was to add some more detail to the vision and add other people to your vision and add experiences to your vision. Here's the third idea. There's only three. Here's the third idea. Get really clear. This is going to surprise you. You ready? About reality. Don't try to ignore it. It's tempting to ignore it. Look very closely at how things really are. And be very careful about your emotions because reality set against the vision can create a whole array of emotions, many of which can create what we call emotional distortion. That causes our emotions to be like fisheye lenses that we put on for over our glasses, causing us to distort some things and blur others. Be very careful about your emotions, especially emotion of fear. Notice that and be very careful and manage it carefully. So when you look closely at reality, pay attention to the emotions it creates and realize that those emotions then can actually distort the reality that you're looking at. Here's the next idea about how to get really clear about reality. So we're looking closely at it. You're managing your emotions. And here's the third thing. I know, I know. Measure it. Measure reality. This is so, so important. Don't guess. Actually measure. 
Don't look at reality as one great big ball of wax, but take it apart and measure it. We could go into great detail about what I mean, but you get the idea. Simple idea would be if, uh, if you need a certain amount of money to accomplish your mission or your vision or your dream, and you look back at reality and you feel like, I don't have enough money. Well, actually measure how much money you have. Measure how much money people have put toward it. Measure how much money people have promised to put toward it. Measure how much you could actually create and how you can create it. Measure what's really there. Measure your obligations. Put real numbers behind it. That's one way. It's not just money. It's also about other things. It feels like I've been working on this forever. Emotional distortion. It feels like nobody is supporting me. Emotional distortion. Well, let's measure it. Ask the 10 people around you that, that you really need to be a part of this. Are they supporting you or not? Are they involved or not? Do they care about the mission? Are they willing to keep going? Actually, ask them. Measure it. <laughs> Don't guess. I've been doing this forever. Have you really? Look at measure it. How long have you been doing it? Been doing it for two years. Wait, wait, really? Dive in. Over that two-year period, how many hours have you actually spent on trying to accomplish this, this vision, this mission of yours? Look at it. Look at the numbers. It is so freeing when you look at reality and you actually measure reality. Oh, by the way, when we use numbers, I've said this before, it's important to get the idea that numbers are not points. They are arrows. Never use one number. Use multiple numbers. There's $17 over there. Well, how much was there yesterday? Well, there's 16 Okay, now we have two data points. Which way do they point? They point to 18. Okay, see that? Use numbers, string them together, and see which way they point. Numbers are arrows. They are your friend. Don't ignore them. Get good at measuring the things that matter. And don't use them as points. Use them as arrows. They give you a context. So when we're getting really clear about the reality around us, we're looking closely at it. We're watching our emotions. We're measuring it. And now here's another thing. Get really clear that not everything I'm going to do to move reality will have the same effect or equal effect. I can push really hard on three things and maybe only one of them will move. I can push really hard on 30 things and maybe only one of them will move. That's called a point of leverage. So part of closing the gap between cold, harsh reality and the vision is to realize that you don't have to move everything. You only need to move those things that are what we call points of leverage. Those things that with a little bit of effort relative to the others will move. So part of our exercise is to thump around and find what those things are and give your time and energy there, which leads us to this idea. If we're getting really clear about the reality that is creating the gap between us and the vision and the plan, we need to make sure that when we find that one thing and we move it a little bit, that we make progress on it every day. Amabil and Kramer a while back wrote uh, some fascinating uh, results of some research, turned it into a couple of books. One of them is called The Progress Principle. You may want to find it. At least you could find a, like a TED Talk from 10 or 12 years ago. That might be helpful. Here's the basic idea of the progress principle, and I'm suggesting that you make progress every day in the midst of this massive, massive gap. It seems like you've got 5,000 miles to go and it's uphill all the way, well, make sure you move one foot every day. The progress principle is an idea that suggests that progress contributes to this really deep inner sense of drive. And when even small amounts of progress are achieved every day, it makes those, those small amounts of progress to be achieved the next day and the next day and the next day. And it gives us this inner sense of momentum psychologically, but then also neurologically. And it begins to create an upward spiral of creativity. 
and of work and of results. That's called the progress principle. It's a pretty big deal. So make sure that every day you make progress, very small progress is all that's required on one point of leverage in order to move the reality of today closer to the dream of tomorrow. And as you do that, make sure that you track your progress. Write it down because of that emotional distortion thing. When reality rears its ugly and boring head, it can actually cause you and I to forget the progress that we made yesterday. You'll discover, here's a fun thing to think about as we wind up our conversation together, that as you make small incremental progress day after day on a point of leverage, something that if you move it and it actually begins to succeed will cause other things to be able to move as well or make them unnecessary to move. You'll notice that when you track those and celebrate those every day, that at some point, unpredictably, everything starts to move. It's almost like a, it's a snowball that creates, let's mix metaphors here, an avalanche. <laughs> a little bit of a snowball, a little bit of a snowball, it starts to take its own momentum, and then the next thing you know, you've got an avalanche of movement, and the future dream that you have gets here sooner than you thought it would. So I know, I know, living in that gap can be very, very discouraging. Nobody talks about it. When we all get together as leaders and friends and managers and supervisors and influencers, we talk about our successes, the ones that are in the rearview mirror. So few of us have the courage, maybe, maybe not just courage with others outwardly, but courage with ourselves inwardly to admit that living in the gap can be unbelievably difficult unless we do the things or something like these things that I've suggested. So hey, as we wrap up the conversation here, if you're in the middle of that gap and you're tempted to shrink that vision to something that ah, we could achieve that without much effort, or you've begun to use some maladaptive coping mechanisms, beating others around you with verbal sticks to get them moving, or, or drinking the entire bottle of Grange Stone 12-year instead of one shot at the end of the day, or gossiping or getting angry or, or worst of all, like I said, shrinking the vision and giving up. If you're tempted to be doing those things, may I, with great admiration for what you've done, suggest that you keep going, that you keep track of small wins, that you keep talking to yourself, remind yourself and other people about the vision, about the dream, that you get close to people who would benefit from that vision being accomplished, and that you expect that living in the gap will be difficult. But that doesn't mean that it's bad, and it doesn't mean you're wrong. We need you to accomplish this vision. Without you accomplishing this vision, we will actually not just stay the way we are, we'll slip backwards. So, you don't want to slip backwards. I'm certainly not going to slip backwards. I'm going to continue to enjoy this massive cigar, which went out a couple of minutes ago. I'll relight it. Ah, and I'm going to enjoy the rest of this Grangestone Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey poured in a gorgeous glass. It's a whiskey glass that I purchased at the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado a few years back. It's one of my favorite glasses. It was a great experience we had there. Back in the day, wish you were here. If you were, we'd put our feet up, enjoy this cigar together. But since you can't be here, you just have to listen to me yammering on. Keep up the good work. Don't give up. We need you to succeed. Here's to you.
Thanks for joining me in today's School of Leadership. This podcast is part of the Archimedes Experiment, leveraged wisdom from the world's most effective leaders. If you're interested in more, go to my website, dhicks.com. Remember, my first name has only one E. Well, you'll find more short and helpful podcast books and blog posts. If this was helpful, maybe even share it with some of your friends. Have a great day.